0: Chapter 17, verses 1 and then verses 5 to 14, you can find that in the blue Bibles that are at your seats if you'd like on page 645. If you'll stand, we'll, uh, I'll read God's word. The sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron, with a point of a diamond that is engraved on the tablet of their heart and on the horns of their altars. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and who makes flesh his strength, whose heart runs away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness, in an uninhabited salt land. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out roots by the stream and does not fear when the heat comes. For its leaves remain green, and is not anxious in the year of the drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately sick, who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart, and test the mind, to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Like the partridge that gathers a brood that she did not hatch, so is he who gets riches, but not by justice." In the midst of his days they will leave him, and at his end he will be a fool. A glorious throne set on high from the beginning is the place of our sanctuary. O Lord, the hope of Israel, all who forsake you shall be put to shame. Those who turn away from you shall be written in the earth, for they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living water. Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved. For you are my praise. Please be seated. At this point,
1: we'll dismiss the kindergarten and first graders through the back door there. And as Andrew said, we are going through the book of Jeremiah. We're landing here on Jeremiah chapter 17, so it will be helpful to be there this morning as we work our way through the passage. Calvin Coolidge was the 30th President of the United States and was known for his brevity of speech. And so one Sunday when his wife was sick, he came home from church and his wife asked him, well, what did the preacher preach about? And Coolidge responded, sin. And then she said, well, what did he say about it? And he said he was against it. And uh, <laughs> we have Jeremiah chapter 17, and it's preaching to us, and it's a chapter on sin, and you won't be surprised to find out that Jeremiah is against it. But he doesn't just stand up and say he's against sin, and then just go and sin no more. He he really helps us out. He gives us a good definition uh, and a picture of what sin is? He's like a good doctor who examines our heart and he and he tells us what the condition of our heart is. That that every heart has a, a fatal flaw, and then he gives us hope for a solution to that heart. So that's the way we're going to look at Jeremiah's sermon. We're we're looking at this prophet preaching to Judah some 2,500 years ago, and we're looking at these. Two pictures he 's going to provide for us for a picture of the heart, and then we 're going to see that every heart has a, a fatal flaw, and then he 's going to point us towards the solution to our heart problems so let 's look at those three things first let 's look at the picture that Jeremiah gives us. I think of Jeremiah as the the prophet of PowerPoint because every time he 's giving a sermon. Every lead is a picture. He's trying to draw something for people to say, it looks like this. Words can't always show it, so he gives us pictures, and he gives us a picture of a couple of plants here in verse 5 through 9. The first thing you'll notice in these descriptions is the word trust. You see that in verse 5? Thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man. And then again in verse 7, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. That's a key word. You may want to circle that or highlight that. Because because trust is used to describe both men. And Jeremiah is telling us something very important about every human heart. And that is one of the central characteristics of every human heart is to trust. And he's telling us whether you have a heart that is following after God, whether you have a heart that's planted by this river, you're trusting. Or if you have the heart that is totally going in the other way, you still have a heart that trusts. No matter where you might find yourself on this spectrum of belief, everybody on the spectrum is trusting in something, Jeremiah is telling us. Everybody's putting their faith in something or someone. Verse 7, the tree planted by the water sends out its roots, and roots create stability, and and gather nourishment. So here you have the tree that's trusting in the Lord. The the Lord is his stability. The the Lord is giving this tree life. And so you're not surprised that this kind of heart trusts. But but notice in verse 5, even the man who's turned away from the Lord, even that man is trusting in something. You'll frequently have discussions with people outside of the church, and you'll run into this kind of statement. I'm sure you've run into it many times. They'll say something like this, it it doesn't really matter what you believe about God, what matters is that you are a good person. You heard this kind of conversation, I mean, yeah, okay, there, there may be a God, and it really just doesn't matter what you believe about him. It's just, you, you've got to be a good person. That's really what matters. And and it's usually said in a very sort of broad-minded, very open way compared to where you may sit, which seems very narrow. And so they, they say it in a way that, that's, that, that communicates, I'm not holding on to any particular view. I'm sort of open in a way that, that maybe you're not. It doesn't matter what you believe, because if there is a God, he's really looking for people who are just doing good things. It's a very very common argument in our day. And I think what's important there uh, to see is that these people who are making these kinds of statements have committed themselves to a very particular view of God. It sounds very open on the surface, but, but what they're telling you when they say that is, is I've, I've put my trust in a very particular view of God, and I've also put my trust in a very particular view of humanity. It's not nearly as open as it may appear on the surface. They're, they're putting their trust in a God who doesn't really care what you believe, but in a God who cares a lot more about what you do. And they're putting their trust in humanity that humanity can be good enough to please that kind of God. Well, where is it they get that idea of God? Faith. They're just trusting. They're trusting that there's a God that's like that. And they're trusting that there there are humans that can be good enough for God. Both hearts whether you're focused in on the God of the Bible or you're focused in on some sort of broad spectrum, every heart has its roots down into something and it's trusting, it's it's having faith in something. Perhaps even a leap of faith. Tim Keller puts it this way, you can choose what to believe, but you can't choose whether to believe. Every heart is believing in something. Every heart is attached to some kind of worldview, some kind of thoughts about God. Even if you're an atheist, you're, you're trusting, your, your roots are in the fact that you believe that there actually is no God. So every heart has exhibits this one characteristic that it is trusting in something, it has faith in something. And so if you're here this morning and you're wrestling with Christianity and is what the Bible says is true, I think one of the places to start is to ask yourself, what is it you currently have your faith in? Nobody is out there sort of just floating around. Everybody has their faith, according to Jeremiah. Everybody is trusting in something. So it's, Helpful to ask yourself, well, what is it right now that I'm trusting in? Jeremiah gives us a sort of a side-by-side comparison here of two kinds of hearts. Verse 5, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes his flesh his strength, whose heart has turned away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see... Any good come. Now, now this may be hard for you to imagine, but Jeremiah is talking to the people of God, Judah. And the people of God in Judah are supposed to be uh, so trusting in God that as other people come across the screen of Judah, as other people come in and out of their congregation, as, as people come through their country, they would be able to see this perfect example of people who really have trusted in God. But the problem in Judah, in Jeremiah's day, is that when people are coming in and out of Judah, they're realizing these people don't look any different than the outside world. Can you imagine being in a church like that? That people would come into the church and say, well, you know what, these people don't operate any differently than the people in the outside world. Well, if you can imagine a church like that, then you can imagine a country that Jeremiah is preaching into. Because that's what's happened to Judah. They're supposed to be clinging on to the Lord and they've let go and they're really clinging on to God. I mean, you know, they're supposed to be clinging on to God, but they've really let go and they're clinging on to themselves. Look at this phrase, the man who trusts in man and turns away from the Lord. It's a great definition of sin. What What is sin? Sin is the man who trusts. In man, the man who trusts in anything that's created and has turned away from his or her trust in the Lord. So often we think of something like lying or lust as sin. So I, I need to work on sin and you just pick off things like lying or lust or greed or gossip or anger or any number of other things. But those aren't sin. Those are symptoms. Lying is a symptom of sin. Lust is a symptom of sin. And when you go to the doctor, the doctor asks for symptoms. And you say, well, I've got this symptom and that symptom. And what you're hoping is the doctor is going to diagnose what the real problem is. And so when you find yourself lying, you need to ask yourself, why am I lying right now? You call me up and I've been working on a project with you and you say, Paul, have you got your part done? And I haven't got my part done. But what am I tempted to say? Now, you, of course, you would never catch me saying this, but what would I be tempted to say? Oh, yeah, you wouldn't believe the kind of progress I've made on it. And then I hang up and I hurry and try to get something done. Well, why, why, why would I want to lie at that moment? It's a symptom. It shows you or it shows me who's really the most important person in your life. Why do you lust? It's to please the most important person in your life. The symptoms just show you who you're really serving. And so when you get behind the lie, or you get behind the lust, or you get behind the pride, or you get behind the the greed, what you find out is at the very center of your life, that's who you're serving. And it's the person in the mirror. It's the man who's trusting in man, and Jeremiah is trying to speak against that. And Jeremiah tells us the person who trusts in man will eventually end up like a thirsty shrub in the desert. Very vivid picture if you're familiar with the terrain of Israel. Very parched land at different places. And so the person who trusts in themselves, the person who trusts in their career, the person who trusts in their spouse, the person who trusts in their retirement, the person who trusts in anything that's created, eventually the heat's gonna come on. And those things are going to go away and you're going to end up like a, a tumbleweed in Oklahoma where I grew up. The tumbleweed doesn't have a good root system. And so it grows and it gets big enough, the, the root system can't hold it against the wind and it begins to tumble away. And it's just looking for another place to land. And so when the heat comes on and you find out that your trust is really in your career or really in your spouse or really in your children and those things dry up or go away or disappoint, then you shrivel up. And it's like you've broken away from your base and you're tumbling around and you're looking for a new place to stand. That's the picture of one heart. And then Jeremiah compares that with verse 7. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water. It sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes. You see, heat comes to the shrub and to the tree. It's not just that heat comes to the shrub. Heat's going to come on each one of us. And Jeremiah is saying the tree that has trusted in the Lord is not going to snap away. I thought about this picture of one of the early martyrs named Polycarp. And Polycarp was actually a disciple of the apostle John. And there was a lot of persecution in those days, and when when Polycarp was 86, they were rounding up leaders, and they went and they got Polycarp. And they brought him into the stadium, and they wanted him to say, say to everyone here that Caesar is Lord. And look at your Christian friends who will not say Caesar is Lord, and look at them and say, away with these atheists. You see, the Christians who didn't believe in in Caesar were atheists they didn't really believe in the real God so they wanted this 86 year old man to look at his friends who were in the stadium and go away with these atheists and Polycarp looks at this stadium and the governor who's talking to him and he says this away with these atheists if you want to know who the real atheists are in this stadium it's you all. Well, that didn't really set well with the governor or the people in the stadium. And he says, you will be consumed by fire unless you change your mind. Polycarp says, for 86 years I have been his servant, and he has done me no wrong. And how can I blaspheme my king who saved me? You threaten with fire that only burns for a moment but you are ignorant of the fire of the coming judgment, which is reserved for the ungodly. Come and do what you wish. The heat is coming on. And we're finding out in this man, where are his roots? What is he really attached to? Is he attached to his own life? Is he attached to his career? Is he attached to his family? Is that what really matters? Is that what, is that what he has his roots down into? No. Because when the heat comes on, he's trusting in the Lord. And so they built a fire around Polycarp and lit it. And they didn't say Polycarp burned. They said he baked like a loaf of bread. When the heat comes on, that's when you find out what you're really trusting in. When the career you thought you were going to have suddenly isn't coming through. When the boyfriend or the girlfriend that you thought you were going to have just doesn't come through. The life that you thought you were going to have isn't coming through. When the heat comes on. When you get a phone call about your son who says, all I can tell you is he has a pulse. The heat is coming on. And you are going to find out at those moments, at some point in your life, what do you have your roots down into? Jeremiah, notice, he makes a clarifying statement that I think is important for us to see in verse 7. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. And then then he sort of clarifies, like there's a little asterisk here and he says, Well, no, whose trust is the Lord? Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Well, no, the the man who trusts the Lord. You see that? Whose trust is the Lord? You know, apparently, it's easy to be a non-religious person, and so your trust is in created things. But I think Jeremiah is telling us it's easy to be a religious person, to do good things, to obey the law, to make sure you're raising your family just in the right way, and you're praying just at the right times and in the right ways. But really you've put your trust in the Lord for something else. I'm trusting in the Lord that he's going to provide X. And when you make that statement, you just found out what your real trust is in. You know, there's many people outside of these walls who put their trust in the Lord, and the Lord didn't come through, and so therefore they're outside of the church. And you find out that they didn't really have the Lord as their trust, they had something else that they thought he ought to provide for them as their trust. So he's trying to help us. Don't be a person who's just trusting in the Lord. Make the Lord you trust. You can be a founder of a church. You can be an elder in a church. You can be a teacher in a church. You can be planted in the pulpit of a church, and discover that really your roots go down to yourself. You're trusting in the Lord that he's going to do these things for you instead of really making the Lord you trust. In this sermon, Jeremiah is, like I said, like a surgeon. He's coming in to deliver the news about our heart. He gives us some pictures, but then he informs us that there's a fatal problem in every heart. Look at verse 1 again. The sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron, and as if if that's not strong enough, with the point of a diamond. It is engraved on the tablet of their heart. Verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Jeremiah comes in to his culture and he gives this diagnosis. Your heart is desperately sick. It's failing. At your very core, that's your problem. And we've got to have a heart transplant. He comes in and says something Totally opposite of what you would hear in the world today. A couple of the quotes from the front of your bulletin, from Ralph Waldo Emerson. Abide in the simple and noble regions of of thy life. Obey thy heart. The rock group triumph. Don't wait any longer. Follow your heart. Oh, listen to the rhythm. Your heart won't lie. Or I had lunch with a friend who said, Paul, everybody's got some problems externally, but at the core, they're really a very good person. You see, our our society says there are external problems, but at your core, if you can just get back down to your core, if you can look inside and you can find that person inside, then you're going to find this great, good person And Jeremiah comes in and says, that's completely opposite. That's a lie. If you get down to the very center, you're going to find this very diseased heart that's never going to provide life. You need a heart transplant. What's engraved cannot be erased. It must be replaced. What's engraved cannot simply be erased. It must be replaced. And so we ask ourselves this third segment, what's the solution? And Jeremiah hints at it in verse 14. Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved. The, the beginning of the heart trance, the transplant, the beginning of the replacement is when you cry out to the Lord and say, I just can't save myself. I cannot heal myself. I cannot fill myself up with the world and think that's going to satisfy. I cannot do enough good things to think that's going to be pleasing enough to you. I'm trying. I'm, I'm tired of trying to find a different Savior or trying to be my own Savior. God, you have to come in from the outside and intervene. You have to heal me. You have to save me. And then we ask this question, well, every transplant requires a donor. I mean, if you can see that you do need a new heart, then you're going to ask yourself, who's going to donate their heart? Whose heart is going to be clean enough Whose heart's going to beat strong enough when all the things of the world begin to fade away and, then, and, and I just can't depend on them anymore? Jesus in John chapter 4, you remember he meets the woman at the well and he says this to the Samaritan woman, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Again, in John chapter 7, Jesus is at a feast. And he's at the very last and greatest day of the feast. And he chooses this particular time to stand up and give this very small sermon. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from him. But when you turn to John chapter 19 and Jesus is hanging on the cross, what's one of his last statements? I thirst. Is he just physically thirsty? He hasn't had a drink in a little while? That's what the people on the ground think. No. On the cross, he's taking your diseased heart. And he's giving you his perfect heart. And when he takes on your heart, guess what he experiences for the very first time? Thirst. I'm thirsty. I'm without a root system. God, why have you forsaken me? I had my roots down in you. But now he's taken our diseased heart on. And he finds himself thirsty. And because of that transaction, he has given you his heart that never thirsts. And he plants you back in the garden of God. Where your leaves are green. Where you produce fruit. If you're here today as a member, you, you need to ask yourself, are you trusting in the Lord for something? Or have you made the Lord your trust? Are you just Trusting the Lord. If you're a seeker, you're you're wrestling with these issues. What is it you're trusting in? What is it your root system is wrapped around? Because Jeremiah has told us, every heart is trusting in something. And would you be willing to look and say, I cannot save myself. And these things I've invested in will not save me. They will dry up. And the day they dry up, I'll snap off. And I'll have nothing to depend on. If you're willing to say that, if you're willing to say, heal me, save me, Lord, this can be the day of salvation for you. As a believer, we often forget the truth of the gospel that God came down in human flesh and he gave himself. And he says, do this in remembrance of me. Remember, I'm the one who's going to quench your thirst. Not the other things that you're chasing around. Me, come back. Come back to the table and remember that I was thirsty so that you could be planted in the garden of God. Remember that what it cost, it was free for you, but costly for me. Remember how much he loves you. Remember what he's given to you. Let's pray together. Lord, we pray now as we come to this table that people would truly examine their hearts. And I'm asking that you would give them eyes to see their hearts because their heart is deceitful. They might think they've been in church for all their lives and they're in a good standing, but they might be in great jeopardy here because they've really trusted in you for something else. That's their real trust. For those here who are wrestling, I pray that they just stay seated and watch. Ask themselves, what is it they're trusting in? And I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would help them say, heal me, save me. And they would be saved today. In Jesus' name, amen.